Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today I'm chatting with my dearest friend, Elizabeth Seifried. Elizabeth is wife to Grant Seifried and mama to two little boys who are less than one year apart, Everett Brooks and Cooper Scott. Y'all, for that reason alone, she is my hero. She celebrates the little things in life and loves her people so deeply. I jokingly say that Elizabeth started discipling me in the ways of friendship our freshman year of college. I really believe there's no better person to share with us all how to do friendship well. If you enjoy our conversation today, you should download episode two of the Journey Women podcast so that you can hear from another lifelong friend of ours, Sarah Scott Pape, as she shares on the topic of evangelism. Hey, finally, shout out to Sarah's brother, Jake Scott of Tossing Copper, for letting me use the tunes you hear in the intro. What can I say, y'all? It takes a village. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoy the show, make sure you find me at Hunter Bulist or at Journey Women Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. It'd be amazing if you could take time to write a review so that we can connect with other women on their journeys to glorify God. Thanks again for listening, friends. I really hope y'all enjoy the show. Dude, we're doing this. I know. In the closet. How appropriate is that? I was just, when I sat down, I was like, wow. He prepares you for what he has prepared for you. Man, with Q-tips and uh, the circle of Willis, (laughs) I'm having flashbacks. (laughs) All of our Kappa sisters are just hitting next to the next podcast because they've already (laughs) seen all of these. (laughs) Yes. I I, I wish so badly I had access to all those videos. I'm actually quite glad Facebook deleted them. <laughs> I suppose so. Man, the memes, though. Great memories. Oh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing so good. I'm Yeah, I'm doing good. Are we recording right now? We are. We're always recording. Okay, great. Sorry if that's awkward. Cut that part out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing great. Um, life is here is full and good, and I'm watching a little person learn to walk. Oh and my word. Are you serious? I, yes, Hunter. I can't believe it. But I should believe it because he's definitely old enough to. But his new favorite activity is to walk behind that little walker. He just makes circles around our house. That's so wonderful. I can't believe he's walking. What a big boy. So for those who don't know you, tell them about your babies. Uh, so God has blessed us with precious Irish twins. Um, I have Everett, who's 14 months old, and then Cooper is three months old. So they're 15 days short of being a year apart. So, so you literally birthed two humans <laughs> in a year. Yes. Isn't that amazing? It's phenomenal. And I don't say that as amazing to me. I say that that is amazing because God just knows what we need even when we don't know. And so obviously we were super surprised to find out we were having another baby so quickly, but, um, it is just the sweetest gift and we're so thankful. It's crazy though. Now that Cooper is 12 weeks old, I laugh thinking that this is how old Everett was when I got pregnant again, because he seems like a newborn. I will never forget when you called (laughs) Brooks and I, and we were sitting at the table and we were like, they're getting ready to tell us that they're pregnant. They're absolutely crazy. We are, except we didn't (laughs) even know we were crazy. God just assigned us in the craziness, which again, you know, it's almost like who would plan this, yet at the same time, we're thrilled. I just think about even in a few months when they're old enough to play with each other, it's going to be so fun. It's so, it already it's crazy is, yes. Right yes, exactly. It is fun, but um, it's just going to be so, it's just going to keep getting fun, more fun, you know? 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Journey Women podcast. Wow, it is truly my joy. I am honored, truly honored. You have been with me from the birth of this dream all the way into its fruition. And I feel so bad because I've talked about it way too much to you. (laughs) Never, never too much. And I think that's what makes this so exciting is that a dream has become a reality and God has just put his hand upon this. And it's so fun to watch that happen. I mean, to get to just, yeah, walk alongside and celebrate is such a joy. You do that so well. And I have to say, that's the same way that I feel about you and your babies, which is so crazy because whenever we were in college, I remember thinking, I cannot wait for her to get to be a mom. She is so nurturing and this is just going to be the sweetest thing to get to see it. But honestly, let's tell people a little bit about our friendship because some may not know the history of our friendship and how we're still friends today. Yes. Wow. It is truly a story that I delight in sharing because it's one of those things that, I mean, the way I always preface it is it's it's the gift I didn't even know to ask for. Ditto. Your friendship and then our friendship, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, Hunter and I met in college our freshman year. I remember Hunter was one of three girls that I saw in our freshman pledge class that I remember thinking, she's way too cool to be my friend. Like, I just don't have the cool points to be her friend. Right. <laughs> and come to find out, all three of those girls were crazy in love with Jesus. And by the spring semester of our freshman year, we were all in a prayer group together. And I just remember that. Me, Sarah Baker, and and Tara Shea. Tara Shea White. That's right. Take us now. Yes. And, um, oh, I just remember thinking like, man, the reason that I was so drawn to them is because they really love Jesus. And we would meet together on Mondays and pray together. And it was one of the sweetest times Yeah, it was just so sweet because those girls were, that was one of the first times that we met together that I just thought, wow, we're not talking about what we need to pray about. We're praying about what we need to pray about. I remember that in the the prayer room. the bride's room. Yes, Yes, it was the bride's room, which made it even sweeter. Was that Um, where you got married? No, but it's where I, it's the church I grew up in. Okay. So, yeah, really so sweet. So, Anyways, Hunter and I met our freshman year and then... Wait, and lest anyone think that I'm awesome and super spiritual going to prayer group all the time, can you tell them about how you almost defriended me? (laughs) Oh, shall we even go back that far? Well, I didn't defriend you, but... Jesus was working, but man, it was was a sanctifying work and and starting from a very rough place. Let's just put it that way. Oh my, well, he's done a work in all our hearts and to that we can be thankful, for that we can be thankful. (laughs) Amen and amen. Yes, by the spring semester of our freshman year, we were already making room decisions for where we were going to live our sophomore year. And one of the girls in that prayer group um, got to pick rooms first in our sorority house or, you know, in the first batch. And Hunter and I got to ride in on her coattails. I don't know. Did you ride in on her coattails? I did. Oh, girl, yes, absolutely. I did not have enough points. It's based on your participation. And yes, I rode in on the coattails. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, I was riding right next to you. So Hunter and I lived with two other girls and those two girls were actually sisters. And so the four of us lived in this teeny tiny little room our sophomore year. And um, I think that's where, I guess our friendship didn't begin there. I guess it began freshman year, but Hunter and I ended up living together for the next three Three years. years. Yeah. Our sophomore, junior and senior year, we lived together um, in the dear old KKG in Arkansas. So we lived together for three years and what we didn't know as 
Well, as our friendship was growing, what we did not know is that our husband's friendships were growing. Friendship was growing. Also living together as roommates. So sweet. Exactly. So we were in Arkansas and our husbands were living in a house together at A&M for three years together. And we never met them before. Never met them. And um, we didn't meet them until after college. So Hunter met Brooks. Um, Let's see. Would it have been the fall of 2012, I guess. I don't and even know. <laughs> no, 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 wait, 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 not. 2010. 2010. Yeah, 2010. Yes, what am I thinking? So they met six weeks before me and my husband, Grant, met. Um, and then we actually both went on a double date together. And it was both of our third dates. I remember that. Yes. So we caught up to you guys pretty quick. And then Brooks and Hunter got married six months before Grant and I did. So it really is this amazing story that best friends got to marry best friends um, who are now each other's best friends. Do you and- think whenever we met each other, did you ever imagine that something like that would happen? Never. Never. Me neither. Exactly why I always say it's the gift I didn't even think to pray for, because I just didn't even think that that could be a possibility. But man, it's been the sweetest gift and for a hundred different reasons, um, which maybe we can get into some of those. But just to know that, um, just to know that my best friend, who's my husband's, you know, who's my husband, his best guy friend is my best girlfriend's man, you know, it's just like, wow, these people, like, I just know that there's such great accountability in all directions and such great encouragement in all directions. And it's just such a beautiful gift that I'm just so thankful for. Well, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show, because I've told you this before, but you have truly discipled me in the ways of friendship. And let me tell you guys, I was a complete yahoo my freshman year of college, but I did desperately love Jesus. So for those of you who feel like yahoos, you have camaraderie, you have solidarity, you have all the things in me. And <laughs> No, that's really not true, guys. You're kind of the definition of put together. Anyways, I am thankful for the ways in which you have taught me really and truly how to be a friend. And I don't think there's anybody better to speak on friendship than you. Wow. And I'm so thankful to call you my dearest girlfriend. So all of that to say... I'd love to discuss friendship with you today, and I'd love to just hear if you have some kind of definition or if you could offer some biblical backing for the gift of friendship that God has given us in general, not just us, but all people. Sure, sure. Well, as I was thinking about that, I, I kind of came to this. I think that a friendship is a relationship, and it's a relationship in which the people involved are committed to being vulnerable and intentional, trusting and selfless with each other in that friendship, but it's for the benefit of the other person. And I think that that last piece is what makes a really good friendship an Mm. actually really good friendship. Wow. Yes. So many times in our lives, well, not in our life, well, hopefully not in a believer's life, but I guess, I guess it's there too, but just the world is telling you like, what can you get out of it? Right. You know, of anything, like what can you get out of your job? What can you get out of any experience? What can you get out of people? What can you get out of relationships? But a, a really beautiful selfless friendship is not about yourself. It's about the other person. And I think that's what makes it so unique. What makes a really true good friendship so unique. And when we think about friendship and when we think about what scripture says about it, 
What's really amazing, as we know of scripture, it speaks to every area and every issue of life. And a benefit of the topic of friendship is that the Bible speaks very directly about friendship. And um, I think what I have seen in scripture is that it, it gives so much counsel to who you should have speak into your life. Mm. So I've always thought about it as if I know Jesus and if the Holy Spirit is in me and working and alive in me, then I have, I have something to offer people like, and it's not because of me, it's because of him. And so therefore I'm enabled to be a friend to anyone like any, like, and that's, that's not to puff me up. That's just to say, I I have the living true God to offer people. However, I don't want to let just anybody speak into my life because if that person doesn't know Jesus, then I don't want them to have any, I don't want them to have a great authority in my life just because I want someone who knows truth to speak into me. So I feel like the counsel that scripture gives on who we should have speak into us is pretty clear. And if you look in the Proverbs, I mean, in multiple places, but one specific verse says like, do not make friends with a hot tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Hmm. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, watch out for who's speaking into you. But then I, I, yeah, I just keep thinking like if, if I have the spirit inside of me, then I can offer friendship. I can offer a relationship to someone who needs encouragement, who needs truth, who needs a listening ear, who needs a committed and vulnerable person who's offering truth towards them. I've always felt that from you, just in the, the givingness of our relationship. It's just astounded me. And sometimes I'm like, man, I feel like I'm running to keep up with you, my friend, <laughs> just that to try to try hilarious. and match, I guess, the level of service and the level of kindness that you extend to me in our friendship. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, man, you know why? It's because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's really Mm. cool. Well, and I think that's what's so beautiful about walking through life as a believer, because it's just like, man, this, the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than what we could think of, you know, like what he does and the way he works and the way he uses people. It's just like, yeah, the fact that we get to interact with each other in that way, anybody, you know, like is, is a really beautiful thing. So it's just so kind of the Lord to allow us to, to be able to connect with one another in that way. And for the spirit in you, his spirit Uh, in you to be able to commune with his spirit in me and for that to be what brings us together. Yes. Amen. A thousand times. Amen. Yes. Yeah. So if you had some fundamental pillars for friendship, you know, just Mm -hmm. like the, Mm -hmm. the big things that are essential to the relationship of one friend to another, what would those mm-hmm. be? Okay. So I have five. I think I have five, eh, five or six. Maybe let's see how it comes out. So I think commitment is a huge deal because if you're not committed, then it's like, wh- what do you have to offer? <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> you know, so like- talk, let's talk about that because commitment, did you think when you met me freshman year, you're like, okay, I'm going to be committed to this girl. Is it like an initial commitment or is it something that grows over time? That's a great, great point. I think that, I think it needs to be an initial commitment, but maybe for a a defined period of time. Like, I think when I met you, it was more of like a, okay, I'm, I'm learning this person. I'm seeing that she loves Jesus. I'm seeing that we have some similar interests. I'm seeing that we have big differences, but I admire those differences. And I'm seeing that 
she has strengths that I don't have. Um, you know, so she could encourage my weakness, but maybe I have strengths that she doesn't have that I could encourage in her. Um, and so maybe it's an initial commitment of what, well, as long as we're in this group together, I want to really invest in her because she's somebody that God has like put in my life right now. And I want to be willing to like listen to her and hear from her, um, in this friendship, you know, like, I think, yeah. I think it can be a short-term commitment, but as long as that relationship is present and as long as it, yeah, I would say like, as long as that person is in your life and you're seeing fruit from that friendship, then why not continue to be committed? Like, I think too, I think so much about friendships, man, so much about, so much about friendships comes down to expectations. Right. And I think that even when it comes to commitment, even when it comes to what, what am I here for in this friendship? What is this other person here for in this friendship? Yes. If, if those expectations are different, right. then it could, I mean, then that's probably where, you know, potential conflict comes up, right. which we'll get to in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but just the idea that, you know, an expectation, what do they say? That a disappointment is only a failed expectation, right? Mm. So if, if someone finds themselves in a friendship where they're like, man, I just feel really disappointed that this person hasn't committed to the relationship in the way that I have, right? then it's probably just because the expectation was different. So maybe that, that means that, maybe that means that my pillars of friendship would be different than that person. You know, maybe, maybe, excuse me, I really value the commitment aspect and they don't because they need to be friends for five years before they're committed. You know, I don't know. Yeah, like that, that could probably sense. end up being a conversation that might need to happen between those two people. So maybe the fundamental pillars of friendship are going to be different based yeah, on each really, individual. I think so. And I think too, that lead to how you find your friends, you know, like maybe you're in a big group of people and you find yourself being drawn to the smaller group within the big group. I'm going to put, you know, I would, I would put a lot of, um, coins in that pile saying that, that those people have the same core values of friendship. So Very I would interesting. say, yes, I think so. It would be a fun little project to do almost, you know, like to have your closest group. Yes. Everyone needs to sit down and write down what are the important aspects right? of friendship to me and yes. share that with yeah. one another. Cause it will enable you to be a better friend or it might offer some understanding why your expectations have gone unmet in friendships and you've been left with disappointment or felt discouraged. Yes, exactly. Or maybe why you're why you're thinking like, man, this person is my best friend in the world. And they're thinking, I don't really feel that way about <laughs> you. But it's maybe because, you know, in that situation, my expectations have been just completely blown out of the water in the best way. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, I feel so cared for by this person. And they're like, I didn't even know that I was doing that towards you, you know? Totally. Okay. So commitment. Yeah. I think commitment is one. I think vulnerability is huge yes. in a friendship. Huge, huge, huge. And I think that probably starts small and goes bigger, you know, or goes deeper, I guess I should say. I don't think that it's necessary to just dive into the depths immediately with someone when it comes to vulnerability. But I think as friendships grow and as shared experience take place, shared experiences, sorry, take place, that vulnerability will continue um, to deepen and to open. And I think that that's a healthy thing because mm -hmm. a guarded, I just think guarded hearts in a friendship um, that's really hard to grow with. I just think of it kind of like as crusty soil, you know, it's hard for a plant to grow there. And so I think commitment, I think vulnerability, I think intentionality, being intentional with someone only shows that you care 
and a friend cares. And so I think being intentional is really important. Mm, You're so good at that too, by the way. Y'all, let me just give a practical example. I will never forget the first day of school (laughs) present that I got one year. Because I I don't know if I was complaining about the fact that the Kappa house didn't have an apple cutter or what. But you knew exactly what to get me. And I got an apple cutter on my pillow the very first day of school. I think it was like sophomore year. And I used that thing every single year for the next three years. And I think I left it there. So for the Kappa is still there. (laughs) Go look for the apple core, the apple cutter. That's so great. That's hilarious. Intentionality intentionality and then I think trust is huge I think trust is huge in any relationship yeah Uh, but yeah I think trust I believe that trust is given I don't think that it's earned and so I think that that's something that you offer to someone um until they prove that they shouldn't be given it Mm -hmm. and then um I think selflessness is huge and I think we see that in the life of Jesus and I think that we see that um and I even think of Philippians 2, you know that that we are to do nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing out of inconceit, but in humility to consider others better than yourself, and that we shouldn't look to our own interests, but that we should look to the interests of others. And I'm like, man, if that's not more clearly defined, I don't know what is. So I will never forget waking up in the morning and feeling like I had to make myself out of bed because if I went to the bathroom, I would come back and my bed would be made. Okay. Okay. Talk and about I'm selfless so, service. Like, who I'm even so, are you? I'm so thankful that you saw that that way. But can I just share with our listeners why that was? We lived in a shoebox, my friends. We lived in the tiniest. <laughs> You're like, I can't take this mess. Tiniest. No, it was just if both of our beds were unmade, our our room looked crazy cluttered. And so it was like, okay, if we're going to start today, then we're just going to start with our beds made because that'll at least make our tiny, you know, 10 by 10 room feel at least 10 by 10 and not two by two. Well, I'm telling y'all, I feel like I am constantly sprinting to keep up with this girl's kindness and service to me. So I feel this towards you, which is why this is all hilarious. But um, (laughs) well, let's talk about that. Let's just talk about practical ways that if you're starting somewhere, if you're starting where we were at freshman year, just kind of looking across the room, glancing at someone thinking, man, maybe, you know, are you feeling this? What do you think? How can you practically deepen a friendship? Yes. There are so many ways that I can think of. Um, So I think one thing to remember is that people long to be cared for. And I think that that shows that God designed us for relationship. You know, we're not, I mean, you even say it, life is a journey. We were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. Like it is true. I mean, that's the, that's the line of the journey women podcast. And I just think if, if we are looking to, to walk in friendship with someone, then, then we need to look for ways to show people that we care for them because people long to be cared for. People were created mm-hmm. for relationship and people need, yeah, they need that. And so I'm thinking there are experiences that need to be shared. There are events and things about that person that need to be celebrated. Um, I think service, we've kind of touched on that already. Service is a huge piece of that. How can you serve that person? I think being a student of your friends is really, really important like learning what makes them, what makes them thrive, what makes them crumble, what makes them come alive, what annoys the mess out of them, what do they enjoy, what, you know, what kind of environments can they really, um, 
dream in? What can, you know, what do they dream about? All of these things to be a learner of your friends, I think is important because then once you can be, once you've learned those things, then you can really press into those things or offer those things in a way that shows that you care, which is what we're, I think what we're all looking for. So I think one way too, I think to, if you're looking, if, if you already have a friendship form that you're looking to, to, you know, to go deeper in, if you're both followers of Jesus, I think to study God's word together is so important because man, if you're, if your hearts are both after truth, then why not, why not study it together? You know, man, that's a super, we haven't done that. We really haven't utilized that very much in our own we friendship. You're right. I wonder if, you know, I wonder why that is. Why is that? I don't know. We should look into that. <laughs> I was going to play proximity, but I don't know if that's a, I don't think that's a valid excuse. <laughs> yeah, because even when we lived in the same room, we really didn't do that. I, d- I know that when we prayed together, like you said, you mentioned the first prayer group, and then we also continue to pray together throughout, you know, junior and senior year, that the, just that element of intimacy with the Lord um, and engaging in that with one another was definitely unifying for sure. Very much so. Very much so. And there's a couple here um, in our community here. And I, I don't know if this is their tagline or if someone else said this, but there's a phrase that says, we're, we are happiest when we're seeking others' happiness. And I just think, I know that friendship is not about being happy, but I just think there is joy in in walking with people and in serving people in that way. Like I'm, I'm going to seek your happiness and I'm going to seek your growth you know, with Jesus. I'm going to push you and spur you on. And I think when that's a focus that that um that that takes our eyes off of ourselves and that that's a very practical way to love someone in a friendship to deepen a friendship to walk further in friendship totally i love that friendship is not about happiness what is friendship about mm. i re- i really think friendship in its maybe in its perfect form maybe i don't know if we can yeah maybe in its closest to perfect form i think it's about pushing pushing people in a, uh, walk, we'll say walking, walking with people as they walk towards Jesus. I mean, if we're made for community and we're in God is, yeah. God has designed us to walk alongside other people. Yet while we're here, we can spur each other on to look more like Jesus. And like, isn't that what we're doing here? Like, isn't that what friendship is for? Totally. I'm thinking, yes, it's about our sanctification. It's about our yes. holiness and our purity. Yes. Yes. Amen. Sanctification. That's the word I think I was looking for. Walking towards Jesus. I mean, that's a basic definition of sanctification. I love that. Yeah, I love it too. I need it. Well, okay. So maybe we should talk about some practical ways that we, just to kind of liven things up a bit, that we sought to deepen our friendship. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is when I felt like we really didn't know each other that well, Mm -hmm. and you invited me to come on your family vacation. (laughs) Oh, and it's one of the only, one of the only family vacations. We have never been to the beach as a family. And my mom was like, we are going to the beach. And she was like, bring a friend. And I said, okay, great. I was so honored by that. You probably asked like three other people before me, no, but who even cares? Did not. That is not even true. <laughs> no, what, what everyone needs to know though, is that, I mean, as you guys are learning by listening, Hunter is a delight to be around. And so honestly, the way that I saw her live, okay, we should take a little detour real quick. That's something huge. I was watching the way Hunter lived and it was like, I want to know Jesus as she knows Jesus. So I'm going to spend time with this person. And if she's willing to be my friend, game on. So I think that it was just, 
yeah, I think I longed to know Jesus the way you did. And I think that's what drew me to a a few of the friends that I just really cherish even to this day. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, I want to know him in the way that she knows him. And so I'm going to put myself in her presence. And I think that's how it happened. So for us, yeah, I think it did. I think it started in a prayer group and I think it happened. I mean, we had already lived together at that point in in our sophomore year, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. And then and then we went on a vacay after that. And then, I mean, kind of the rest is history. I think what I think one thing that I really cherished too about our friendship personally in college was we were involved in different ministries. So it wasn't that we were doing everything, yeah. like everything, everything the same. Um, but we were involved in different ministries. We had different majors. Um, I would say that our closest friend groups in college were probably a little bit different. Well, they were different now that I think about it, but I think that's what made our friendship so sweet is that we could like even come together from those different places and still share life. And we were sharing, you know, we were sharing, excuse me, like um, what was going on in those friend groups and we were sharing what was happening in those ministries and all of that. But it was this set aside friendship. It, it's not that, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't have to be involved in every single thing the same right. for a friendship to thrive. Yeah. You bring up a good point because I want, I want there to be a distinction. There, there are friendships that can go South. There can be unhealthy markers to friendship. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Are there any disclaimers or things to be aware of when you're pursuing this kind of relationship with other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that two things come to mind. I think that if you notice that one of the people involved, be it in a group friendship, be it in like a one-on-one, you know, like a two-person friendship, if one of those people becomes too much of the focus or almost like the dictator of that friendship, or if you're placing one of those people on a pedestal, or even if it's happening back and forth, Like if person A is putting person B on a pedestal and then vice versa, I think that you have to take a big step back and reevaluate that because I think that that is when codependent tendencies could potentially step in and that can be really, really unhealthy. Right. And so I think when, yeah, I think when it becomes uneven, when the, almost when the mutualness, if that's a word, becomes uneven and less mutual, or when Jesus gets taken out of the center of that, then I think that's when it can get a little like, uh oh, like maybe this isn't a healthy thing to be a part of. Or um, the other thing that I thought of is that there is a fine line, I think, between a friend who's being, I would say, maybe reasonably needy or maybe they're walking through something really, really hard, so more attention does need to be on them in that season. There's a fine line between that and being manipulative mm-hmm. or being manipulated, I guess you could say. And so I think trusting, you know, asking God to just really lead you in discernment in those things is important because you're right. There are unhealthy relations, you know, unhealthy friendships. And those things are not, I, I mean, I think we're counseled even in scripture to, to not, you know, allow yourself in that. What did it's, you know, uh, what was the word? Uh, you know, you yourself can become ensnared and it's like, I don't think that's worth it. I don't think that's what God designed a friendship to look like. I'm trying to remember where that is. Is that in Romans? Um, I think it's in Proverbs. Probably. Romans isn't exactly a book about friendship. 
<laughs> you are studying Romans right now, so it's in your head. So it probably is there because I, I feel like I just so read it today. Well, oh, well, that's really good. So if somebody senses that they're in a codependent relationship, you said take a step back. Are there any boundaries that you have set in place that you might suggest someone implement if they're struggling with developing unhealthy relationships? Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay. So I think that I would go to a trusted friend, someone who's going to really hear me out and know that it is my heart not to gossip, but I think I would get one, at least one person's opinion on it. But again, I'm not going to go like flaunt the situation to a thousand different people because I think then you can really toy with the line of, you know, kind of like airing your dirty laundry. But, um, I think I would go to a someone who I really trusted and say, Hey, these are some little like yellow flags that I'm noticing. Am I being oversensitive to this or is this really happening? And if they said, no, that's really happening. I think I would maybe use, you know, like ask that friend to come up with a game plan with me, but I think I would probably have a conversation. I am not a confrontational person and my friend Hunter knows this the best because <laughs> she did years of my life with me when I would not talk about conflict or confront, you know, I wouldn't confront things. But I think now I've really learned that confronting in a loving way is very healthy. And so I think I would talk to that person and I would think, I think I'd say, Hey, I feel like these certain aspects of our friendship are unhealthy. Are you feeling the same way? okay, you're not seeing it that way. Let's talk about these things. What, you know, how are you interpreting this? Because this is how I see it. I just think having honest conversations is the easiest way to bring things to the light. And so I think, I mean, that might sound so basic, but I think I would talk about it. Absolutely. Man, well, that brings us to the point of conflict, which, as you said, I think at the beginning of our friendship, we just didn't do. And neither of us really desired to do it. But then we also just by God's grace, got along really well. Um, I think our personalities just fit really well together. So we didn't have conflict for a number of years. Do you remember when Brooks and Grant asked us how we fought? I think we were on a date with them and they were like, so how do you guys fight? Because they had lived together and they were just under the assumption that good friends, they fight. Yes. And we probably looked at each other and laughed and said, have we fought? We we didn't. <laughs> we were like, we we don't. I know. And they looked at us like we're crazy. And I think that's when we realized, man, maybe we should be seeking out a little bit more conflict in our relationship, not for the sake of conflict, but for the sake of intimacy. Yes, I so agree. And like, wow, the health that that brought. I mean, I'm not remembering. I don't know. Do you remember our first conflict? No. (laughs) I think it was our senior year. I truly don't remember what it was about. But I remember, I'm not kidding. I think that was the very first time in my life that I saw a glimpse of, wow, you can have conflict and not have separation. Oh no, what did I do? No, I, I, I actually think you came to me and voiced something to me that I had done. Oh, how funny. I, Maybe I that's why think- you remember it. <laughs> well, no, but I think you showed me in that, that confrontation can actually be a pursuit of intimacy and openness and of that vulnerability, because I think in that moment, I thought, wow, I only, I I have avoided conflict my whole life, especially with the people that I love, because I think that conflict equals separation and it doesn't. And y'all Hunter, we always laugh that, um, Hunter was my best, um, preparation Preparation. for marriage because Hunter and my husband are very similar in certain ways. And, um, um, and wow, that's true because it's not that 
Grant and I fight. That's not necessarily the case, but we do have confrontation and we do have conflict, but I, I have learned that it is so good and healthy. Yeah. So, um, yes, conflict is so good. Confrontation is good and it doesn't equal separation. It actually equals, equals health. Well, I think it ties back to the pillar that you mentioned of vulnerability, you know, because if you really don't conflict with someone, I don't think you're truly being vulnerable. Well, it's so true. And you're not being loving. Like, think about like, okay, the gospel is offensive. Like it is offensive to our humanness. Our humanness is not selfless. Our human is selfish. So I'm just thinking if I continue to walk in my self, which I do because I'm a fallen person. Yes, saved by grace. And thank you, Jesus, for that. But I need people to confront me. I need you to come to me and say, hey, when you did this, that wasn't very loving. And we see in the character of Jesus, this is why we are to respond in a loving way. You know, like that is confrontation. That could be conflict. It doesn't have to be conflict. But that's confrontation. And that is vulnerable. And it's, it is, it's, it's pursuing me intentionally. And it's honestly selfless on your part to come to me and say that because you're taking, yeah, you're, you're taking a step towards me in a way that shows like I care for you. Yeah. So I do, I think that even confrontation can be a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I never thought that probably before. And honestly, even when we had conflict, like that one confrontation in our senior year, I think that was a tiny glimpse. I don't think I understood it then, but it was a, it was a, probably the first little glimpse of that that I saw. And since then, we've had very vibrant conflict. (laughs) Yes, but it's so good. It's so good because it always leaves us with hope, the hope of the gospel, like you said. And so in the same way that conflict brings about intimacy in marriage, I believe Mm -hmm. it does the same in friendship. And I think it's honestly the friendships in which I have had conflict. I really, I really think I treasure more. Yes. Well, and one thing that Grant tells me, and I like receive this from him almost as a friend, I guess, yes, as a spouse, but he always says like, if you're not willing to tell me the hard stuff, it's hard for me to trust the good stuff that you say. And I think, man, that is so good because it's true. If I only like give him the good, happy things and I'm not willing to, to say, Hey, as iron sharpens iron, so one man can sharpen another. Like I want to point out that this this can be refined in you, and I don't say that is like me lording over you, but I want to walk alongside you in this and help you in this. And friends do that for each other. Totally, I'm so thankful you do that for me, and I'm so thankful for the transition of our friendship just from kind of sorority sisters. Is that a good yeah. is, is that a good example? <laughs> sorority sisters to being like <laughs> sisters in Christ. That's too yes. cheesy. That is cheesy, but it's kind of real. So <laughs> it is. Um, not that you can't be sorority sisters and sisters in Christ, because check and check for us. Check and check, man. We lived the life <laughs> in those little chairs over in the corner. Y'all, those sweet girls in that house probably thought we were straight grandmas. We used to call ourselves the Kappa Kappa grandmas because we just lived our lives in these little wingback chairs doing our little studies over there. Hey, I was loving it. I don't care what Me anyone too, man. else thought. Oh, man. Okay, well, tell me this. So we were in college, right? And our friendship transitioned from college into me going into an intensive like discipleship program, and you started working. Yes. Um, So I'd like to talk about friendship transitions, because from there, we went through the transition of you working, 
into me getting married and then you got married and then I had kids and then you had kids. So together we have walked through all these different life transitions. And a lot of times I see um, friendships either taper off or, and and not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but um, friendships coming to a close. So I'd like to just Mm -hmm. talk about navigating the transitions of friendship with you and maybe just talk about uh, what it's looked like for us and Mm -hmm. what things you feel like we've done well in those Mm -hmm. transitions. Yeah. So I think a lot of that goes back to expectations. I I guess I'll say that first, when people find themselves disappointed of like, man, I thought that this was going to be a lifelong friendship and it's not. I think it's because they probably walked into that college friendship saying, these are going to be my lifelong friends. These girls are going to be my bridesmaids. You know, like these girls are going to stand next to me for life. And then when they don't, then it's a bummer. But that's why I think it's important to voice those things. I agree. Yeah, just to talk about those things. So one thing that I think that we did well in all of the different transitions. Cause gosh, there was, there was military life and overseas life in the midst of that transition That's too. So, so we had like cross Atlantic transition as well, which is crazy. Totally but, forgot about that. Um, yes, there's been quite a lot. And I think the thing that has been most important is that there has been effort to understand and effort to care yeah. On both sides. So there is so much about your life that I don't, I don't have personal experience with. I don't know military life. Like, and that's a huge part of where you guys are right now, like a right. huge part. And I don't know it, but I long to understand it. So when you tell me about different positions that Brooks has or what you are doing, you know, like how you're involved, I, I don't know it but I want to. So yeah. I'm going to listen. And you don't really have anything to attach it to in your brain. So it takes effort. Right. Well, and but I'm like delighted to do that because I long to know where you are because I want to know you in that, you know, like I want to know you and Brooks in that. Like I want to know, we want to know your family in that. And so I think that great effort is made, but I have felt that so much from you. Like when we lived overseas, man, anybody who's living overseas, who's listening to this knows, or anybody who has lived overseas knows that when you get overseas for some reason, there is this great exhaustion in communicating with people back home. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it just feels like such a heavy, at least for a lot of people that I've talked to, it has, it feels really heavy to try to communicate everything that's happening and what it's like and all of these things. However, I I felt from, we felt from both of you and Brooks, like there was just a longing to understand and a willingness to walk through kind of the clunky descriptions that we were trying to give and, you know, trying to, it was, it felt kind of like, oh, this might be awkward or like we're going overboard and trying to explain this, but y'all, y'all really were willing to walk through that with us. And so I think there, there needs to be a great willingness to just understand in the midst of transition. Totally. And I think your pillar too of commitment comes back here. And like you said, Mm -hmm. the vocalization of expectations, um, because we've totally done that. Yes. Yes. We've had conversations where it's like, Hey, I know you're moving into this season and I still want to continue to pursue you. So you're going to have to help me out. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a mom. I don't know what your schedule is going to be like. I don't know Mm -hmm. how we're going to be able to communicate best, but let's just keep an open conversation about what that might look like. And our medians of communication have changed throughout every season. We may be more reliant on text messages and then more reliant on Skype and then more Mm -hmm. reliant on phone call. And now we're reliant on Voxer. And it's just, it's just interesting. It changes with technology changing and it also changes with Mm -hmm. our season. So just that flexibility, but through in the midst of the flexibility, as you mentioned, 
continuing to have the conversation of what's working well for us as friends. Yes. Yes. And I, I call them my free friends, but it's the people who I, I've had enough conversations like that with, and, and those conversations are continual that I feel like I can be completely free with. Maybe we go, I mean, for you and I, I feel like it's like weird if we go like three days without talking, right. but you know, there are certain friends that I can go and I consider them some of my dearest friends, but we can go like a month without talking or maybe even longer, but we pick up right where we left off mm-hmm. because we've had enough conversations or we've had enough history and shared experiences where it's no longer this like, why isn't she calling me? Like why, you know, that hurts my feelings. It's like, no, right. no, no, I know she's in a different place. She just got married and she's learning her new job or she just went through a really tragic happening with her family. And like, I don't, I know that she's processing that and she's processing it with the people around her, not with me. And that's okay. But I can't wait to see her when I see her at Christmas, you know, which is six months away or whatever. Like, and then we're going to talk about it. You know, there's, there's just this freedom. There's the expectation is freedom. You know, like there's no specific, um, requirements or formula. Yeah. Yes. And it just brings such a breath of fresh air. And honestly, that, that invites, I feel so invited to be vulnerable in those conversations with those people because I know there's not, yeah, there's not a formula. Man. Okay. So as you're talking, I'm just wondering, there's gotta be someone out there that's thinking, how do I find a friend like this? Mm. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. And as exhausting as it sounds, I would say be that friend to the people around you. Because again, people long to be known. And I just, I would encourage you. I, okay, I'll say this. I did nothing to get any of the friends that I have. And it's not even that I have a kajillion friends, but I do have really precious, just a few very dear, dear to me friends. But I, I preface most conversations about friendship by saying I've I don't know what I did to deserve this, but this is the thing. I didn't do anything to deserve it. It's just like God's abundance, I suppose. Mm. But I would say just ask him, ask him for one. But man, even if you're in a season of just major loneliness, this is going to sound so cheesy, but God can be a really precious friend. And like his faithfulness beats anybody's faithfulness and his intentionalness, intentionality beats anybody on earth's intentionality. And Man, the way he gives good gifts and the way he gives surprises and the way that he speaks, hey, I love you and you're not alone and I'm with you right now. He does that in ways that humans cannot. And that sounds so cheesy, but man, I have seen God be a very near and dear confidant and counselor and walk alongside me in seasons where I have felt very isolated. Yeah. And, um, he's good at that and he knows what we need better than another person can. So I would say walk with him in a way, you know, and ask him to show you just his personal, uh, the way he personally can love you. Ask him to show you those things and ask him for a friend. And if you've been asking for a friend for years, don't stop because the day that he answers that will be a beautiful thing more so. And you'll cherish that more so than the person who has too many friends. So Well, I had really high aspirations of talking to you about pursuing friendship with married couples and pursuing friendship as a single person with marrieds, but I really don't think we have time. I think that's a whole nother show in and of itself. It sure could be. I really wonder if we should get the guys on. (laughs) Let's do it. They would be the first men on the Journey Women podcast. Let's do it. (laughs) What better men to do that, honestly? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, that would be excellent. So yes. the last thing that I want to ask you on mm. the topic of friendship is how has friendship in general, not just ours, mm. how has it changed you? Oh, man, big question. So I would say friendships, including ours, has probably been one of the most yeah, one of the most vital instruments that God has used to change me into more of Jesus likeness. And I think that friends have taught me to process emotions. Friends mm-hmm. have shown me the gospel on repeat yes. by showing me over and over Thank and over you. that I, yes, <laughs> that I'm loved and that yeah, that I'm loved even when I don't deserve it. I think friends have taught me selflessness and how to celebrate what forgiveness looks like how to listen, how to grieve, how to try and fail and try again, because I'm not very good at that, um, how to reconcile. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I just think so much of what my friends have walked with me in has been a little picture of what has what God has done for me through Jesus on the cross. Like even in that list, like reconciliation, we know that in fullness through Jesus, but so many of my friends have showed me that by pursuing reconciliation with me. Um, I think that just the idea of being loved, even when I don't deserve it, hello gospel, but my friends show me that on repeat. This is a great example of that. I have two dear girls who live here in my neighborhood that we do life with. Our babies are very similar in age. And I got so nervous the other day, uh, this is probably a month ago because I have two kids now and they each have one. And I was thinking like, man, you guys, I really struggle with asking, like if I need to go run an errand or go to a doctor's appointment or something like that, I struggle with asking you guys to keep both my kids because how I ever repay you for keeping two, you know, like, like that just seems like such a big like ask. And they just looked at me and they were like, it doesn't need to be even like you're longing for even right now. And even is not what we're here for. Like we're here to be your friend and like, it's our delight to keep your boys. I literally sat there and wept in front of them because I don't, I still have such a hard time receiving unmerited. You know, I only want to receive what's merited. And I, I sat there and just wept at them thinking, I cannot believe that God is showing me the gospel right now through these two sweet friends of mine. Like, I I did. I just, you know, I have such a hard time with that, but praise God that he's given me yet another picture of his gospel. I mean, it reminds me of my need for Jesus. So I mean, how has friendships changed me? I mean, friendships have changed me. I don't know how else to say it, but um, man, God has used people so dearly in my life and I am forever thankful. And I don't know, I'll never be able to thank him enough. That's what I always say. I'm like, I don't know how to thank him enough for this other than just celebrate the mess out of him, you know? (laughs) Gosh, yes. I think because of friendship, I know Jesus better. And especially because of ours, my friend. Thank you so Uh, much. You too, You have walked with me through the the darkness of freshman year Mm -hmm. all the way until (laughs) the crazy of having two kids, which totally rocked my world. And even now, so I'm really, really thankful for you. Well, that's so mutual. And I just think you're so gracious because I feel like you kind of walk one step ahead of me, married before me, you know, one kid before me, two kids before me. And so I don't know how to relate. I just stumble into all the pitfalls and then you can (laughs) (laughs) avoid them. I've learned so much with you and from you in ways (laughs) that I want to be like you. Are you kidding? (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it's been a gift and I'm super thankful for it. And I realize our friendship is a rarity. So I am I am in total agreement with you that. Pray, pray, pray if you yes. don't have a kindred heart that's walking yes. through this life with you now. And um, 
as Elizabeth said, if you don't, you do in the person of Jesus and press into that. So I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I need to be a better friend to Jesus. Mm. So thank you for that. Um, Yes. I want to know him and recognize him. Oh man. Well, (laughs) do you have some recommendations for somebody who wants to grow in friendship with another person? It can be an experience, a book, whatever. So I think we've actually touched on maybe two of them that I thought through, but, um, when we were talking about making a list earlier, that's something that I had thought about. Like, think of the three people. This is someone who wants to maybe be a better friend. If they're thinking like, man, maybe I'm not surrounded by friends because I'm not a very good friend. How could I grow in that? Um, Think of three people who you would consider your closest friends or maybe the dearest and nearest or, yeah. And physically make a list of why and how they are a good friend to you. And then compare those three lists and you will probably see the themes or the pillars that you value in friends. And then I would say go and model that selflessly and without expectation of reciprocation. And you'll most likely be surprised at how much more engaged in friendship you become because you are actively pursuing other people. So I'm thinking rather than expecting much out of your friendships, because that's very self-focused, I would say go and practice being selfless and really seeking out other people in that way, but by doing that through what you value. And so you'd have to recognize what you value first. And then... My number two would be an experience as well. And I've, I've just, okay, I'll back up. One of our mutual college mentors, I watched her do this over and over and over. She would just very quickly show value to other people. And I remember being on a trip with her one time and we go into a gas station and she buys a cup of coffee. And I'm pretty sure that that lady behind the cash register at the gas station thought that Joyce was her best friend when we walked out of there. <laughs> and I remember thinking, how did she just do that? Like she just spoke so much value to that woman in a two minute exchange. How did she do that? And what she did was she spoke value of just things that she saw immediately. Like, wow, you have a really inviting like nature about you. Like, have you always worked here? You know, or something like that. Like, you know, it doesn't take much to ask a question of someone where they feel valued. So The second experience would be to go put yourself in a place with people who are not exactly like you and make a friend. So you would go into that situation with an expectation of asking all questions but not being asked anything in return and just see like how quickly people feel cared for because you are showing them like I value you. And you are being a friend to that person, even if it's not this deep friendship yet, like it's just a good practice of, of, of showing value. So I think that even in a short little interaction could like show you how to care for the people that you're longing to deepen an already established friendship with. Yeah. It reminds me of Carrie Lingemeyer's little quote, uh, be it a, there you are person, not a here I am. Yes. Yes. Amen. A thousand percent. Amen. That is such a good, good little motto. Yes. I long to live more like that. Yes. I think asking questions and developing the art of asking questions is a really good way to do that. How else are you going to dig into the person and get to know who they are if you don't have questions? Amen. And this is the deal. When it comes down to it, people love to talk about themselves because when they're talking about themselves, they feel like an expert. Because not that we know ourselves deeply, but like, you know, stuff about yourself. 
that sounds really silly, but it's true. So when you have the opportunity to share experiences that you've walked in, even by yourself, but when someone cares enough to listen, you feel valued. So it's like, let people talk about themselves because then they feel cared for. And then that opens the door for this deeper and, you know, this deeper trust, this deeper, um, vulnerability, like it's a door opener. Right. So yeah. I will say the one yeah. caveat to that is if you're a person who tends to hide behind questions, you also have to be willing to divulge of yourself. That is a good word. Yes. Put yourself out all- there. You know, yeah. if you feel yourself swinging in the opposite direction and asking all the questions and not being willing to uh, engage in vulnerable conversation about who you are, then go mm-hmm. the opposite way. Yeah, that's a good word. I think yeah. that there may be fewer people in that direction, honestly, but just but want they to throw are that out there. They're there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening. It's real. I know you are. <laughs> so real. Yes. Yes. Oh, so good. And then, yeah. I don't know. The third one that I would say is learn the highs and lows with people. Like if you're not a very good celebrator, go find a book on celebrating things or being thankful for they things. I have a whole nother podcast with you on celebration. Uh, Why didn't I, I do think love of that? the art of celebration. You're so good at that. You um, taught me that. You discipled me in the ways of friendship and celebration. Well, I think you discipled me on friendship and you're being gracious right now, but... You totally discipled me on celebration. (laughs) (laughs) You can't even argue with that. Man, I've always said that, like, if a house is burning down, I'm like, guys, grab the marshmallows. We can make s'mores. You know, it's like, I only see through half full, always, only. It's it's a downfall, too. But anyways, learn learn to be thankful and learn to celebrate, because doing that alongside people is a really beautiful shared experience, but then also learn to grieve. Yeah. Because that's something that I'm learning currently, and I have no idea how to do it, but it has been a really beautiful, deepening uh, instrument almost with me and like a, um, a couple friends. And I'm thankful for it. I was really scared of grief, and now I'm like, okay, this is what this looks like, and it's a beautiful open door for us to just know Jesus better together. I love that, Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. All right. Three recommendations. Those are all experiences. I normally get books on that answer. So that is so great. Well, sorry. I'm not much of a reader. Whoopsies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always trying to give you books and that's an example of me not knowing my friend as well as I should. What? That you you recommend me books? No, I need it. Not recommending giving when I give you books. Oh, no, but I need it. I love Audible, man. It's changing my life. Oh, it's true. Okay, so speaking of, what are your three simple joys? Not that Audible has to be one. Well, it can be like my preface one. I do love Audible. Shout out. Um, (laughs) Okay, this is so random. And sorry if this is, well, this is just my like lifelong simple joy. Shaved legs and clean sheets. There is no better feeling in the world to me. I completely agree. Minus the effort and energy of putting that you have to put in to get to that point. I well, and I know that's why it's such like the special like commodity almost because it's like such a rarity in life. But shaved legs and clean sheets, and in a properly made bed, Hunter. I'm learning that no one makes their bed properly. No Ooh. one knows that you're supposed to put the pretty sides of your sheets together. Do you do this? I do do that. Do do you do? Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Well, everyone listening. Please put your top sheet pretty side down because then when your comforter is on top of it and you pull both of them back, you are going to sleep in a pocket of pretty. It is so purposeless to put your <laughs> sheets pretty side up. You never have to see them. Anyway. Maybe okay. you taught me this. Okay, maybe so. I don't uh, know. Okay, I anyway, love it. That's my first simple joy. I have realized that, that my, so that's a lifelong one. The next two are current ones, but a current simple joy is a Saturday morning. Okay. Oh. 
as a mom, my days look exactly the same. So I realize that a Saturday morning is no different than a Monday morning. Like I get it. Like our routines are too. You, you still know, wake up baby- at seven. Thank you. I still have babies that need to be fed and nap times that need to happen and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that it is Saturday morning for some reason just brings me this huge, just like breath of fresh air and sigh of relief all at the same time. Because Grant's going to be home. Maybe that's it. And it's just like, we are all here together and we're going to do all of this together. And I find joy in that. Absolutely. But also, it's like the things that could potentially come with a Saturday morning, like maybe going to the farmer's market if we were in Fayetteville, because it's the best. Or like, I mean, breakfast in bed only happens like on your birthday and Mother's Day, but I'm like, oh, but you can have breakfast in bed on Saturday because it's a Saturday. You can just be lazy. You don't have to get anywhere. Yes. Or like currently it's blueberry season in East Texas and like we picked blueberries last Saturday and it was the most charming of all things. So anyways, I just love a Saturday morning. And then my third, I already mentioned, but my simple joy is watching my little Everett learn to walk. It's just been the most fun. My heart is so cool. So those are not products. So I guess I can't like promote any products or anything, but they're just my little delights right now. I think that's the definition of simple. Yes, it is. I love a good simple anything, honestly. You do. You are the, you are so good at celebrating simple. I could think of so many different things that you love. I d- <laughs> it's really easy to please. I guess that's an okay thing. <laughs> it's true. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing about you. Oh, you're kind. Maybe it's because we're such good friends, but um, it's already been an hour, over an hour, which is crazy. And I'm really sad our time is coming to a close. Um, Me too. And before it does, I'd like to ask you the same question I ask every single journey woman who comes on the show. Who has had the greatest impact in your own journey with Jesus, Elizabeth? Oh, this might be the hardest question of all for me, but I, I think I'm going to have to cop out of the question and say that there are a handful. There is a group of women who through my high school and college years, I call my gatekeepers, but they are people that just, I feel like they, they, yeah, they were the people who I had yeah, guarded my gate almost of like, I wouldn't let things in because I would feel, you know, if I had filtered them through the things that these probably four or five women taught me and it didn't filter through what they said or what they taught me from God's word, I wouldn't let it in. So, um, yeah, there's a group that just different college mentors that I had were really, really vital to my spiritual growth. And yeah, there's probably about five different women that, that were, that were in that group. So is that a total cop out? If I have to pick one person, all of your mentors, all of them, all of them. I all have to of your all journey of women. All of my journey women have made me the journey woman that I am. So it's so true, um, though. Yeah, and I mean, this is going to sound super trite, but honestly, you've been a huge. I mean, you're one of those people, even though you were a peer and you still are. It's like, man, you were one of those people. So I think that's a beautiful thing about friendship is that it can almost be a mutual discipleship as well. Because man, it's happened. I'm proof. You're proof. <sighs> Well, my friend, I am so grateful for you. And there are truly no words. That's all I can say. That's my hand over my mouth. And yes, and amen. (laughs) Job's Job status. What is that? Job 40. Oh, I love you, friend. Thank you for this. It's been so encouraging. Such a delight. Thank you for coming on the show. There are so many things I could say about my chat with Elizabeth, but I think my biggest takeaway was Elizabeth's encouragement to press into friendship with Jesus. Just like an earthly friend, our relationship with him requires commitment, vulnerability, intentionality, and trust. He is the perfect friend we can all look to as a model for friendship. The best thing is, we have the joy of experiencing that with him today. 
John tells us that this is eternal life, knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. I hope you delight in that today, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. I'm already looking forward to our time together next week. <laughs>